Welcome to Cowboy Ed, where springtime is in the air, and we're going to have just a great ride about, oh, well, teachers and school and all those things that we like to talk about while we're riding around the prairie on our ponies. How you doing out there, Maya? Doing well. This is definitely a time to talk about all the things teachers are doing because spring is busy. So yeah, it's going to be a good conversation. It's just like us, spring is that rebirth and flowers and the sagebrush starts to grow again and and all and rattlesnakes come out. But all these kind of things happening, we get a recharge. We get a, you know, it's spring break. We come back, we're fired up for to get through the end of the year and, and make a positive impact on all things that our, our kids are learning and, and going through and all that. But today we're going to we're going to kind of take that and talk about, well, how do we help that? But we got to look at something. So today we're going to kind of base our conversation around an article titled America's Teachers Aren't Burned Out. We are demoralized. And that, that article's in Ed Surge, and it's by David Stiber. And it's it puts an interesting spin on it. It's not burned out. It's demoralized. It's not burned out. It's demoralized. So, just that statement outside of the article, Maya. What do you? What does that statement mean to you? Not burned out, demoralized. I think there's a lot of talk about teachers being tired. Right? We're tired. We're, you know, it doesn't matter what level you're at. If it's kindergarten or college, you're, you know, kind of just tired of everything that you have to do. And so I think that's where the burnout idea comes from. But, you know, demoral demoralize is a whole different perspective about how teachers are are feeling about their work, their workplace, the, the things that they're being asked to do. So, you know, I think that this article gave me a reminder that teachers love what they do. And they want to be a part of the change process and a part of the work that's happening right now around education rather than it happening in isolation. But, you know, their workload is just compounded right now that I don't I don't know that we have the capacity, even though the desire is there. So I don't know. How are you feeling, James? That that term demoralized. I, I I think in a in a sporting event, if a team feels demoralized, they they feel like maybe the officials are against them. Maybe they're you know in an opposing team's arena. They've got all these things in a sense out of their control stacked against them and and when that happens it's very hard to be successful as a as a team whether that's you know whatever football or basketball or baseball or any of those kind of things when i think about demoralize i think about putting it into that idea and what are those pieces that are making teachers feel demoralized that feeling like, oh, wow, all these things that are out of their control that are weighing on what they're trying to accomplish. And so I, I think this is an interesting way to, to look at it because in this article, 
Uh, you know, there's a there's a quote that says, you know, burnout tells the wrong story uh, about the pain of educators and and whatnot, because it suggests that the problem lies within individuals, individual teachers themselves. And when we think about that, burnout is off, off, you know, often associated with me doing too much, uh, just, you know, all these things I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm choosing to that. So burnout is very much a puts the responsibility all on you. Well, why'd you do that? Uh, but demoralized maybe frames this in a better way, that it's not all things I want to do. It's not all things I'm choosing to do. It's all these things surrounding education are impacting the ability to play the game, if you will. So, yeah. You know, and, and Maya, we we when we got we were getting the horses saddled up and getting ready to go out there. We were, we we're talking about you know the purpose of of this this conversation of all of our conversation is to hopefully offer some ideas and solutions and give teachers a, a chance to hear some perspectives. But this is a tough one. This is a tough one to look at how how do we address solutions to this? Because whether it's burnout, whether it's demoralized, we've got an issue in education. So as, as you read through this article, is, was, is there any you know, pieces that came to you that thought, well, maybe this is how we can address this idea of demoralizing our teachers? I don't know. You know, I'm really struggling with the idea of finding a solution or even a next step coming out of this. So I think, you know, I think the message to teachers from this article is, is we, we hear your struggle and we see the bigger picture, you know, right after that part that you just quoted. And I love the sports metaphor about just having all of those obstacles, like bearing down on you that, you know, are out of your control. And they're so frustrating because they shouldn't be that way. And to quote a little bit of this, it, it says that, that teachers care about what they're doing. They care about their students. They care about their jobs and the things that they're trying to accomplish being a teacher. But then it goes on to use the word impossible. Our jobs as educators are impossible because of school policy, conditions, funding. You know, I don't know. That list could be gigantic, I think. So while I want teachers to know that we were seeing that bigger picture and that this article really lends to that sense of of understanding that bigger picture a little bit it is some of those people who are in education but you know maybe not so much like policymakers and um you know leaders especially at like state and national levels that it is some of those decision-making pieces that are impacting and making it even harder for teachers to do what they need to be doing. And, you know, I think one just really specific example of that is we've talked about lack of teachers. You know, this, what, what we're talking about, what you're saying kind of makes me nervous and scares me a little bit. If you think back to just our our interview last week with with Madison as a as a new teacher about to enter in to the workforce, you know we we talked to her about you know what 
what excites her about education? What does she want to do? What, what, what would make her not want to do it? She, as a new teacher going in, was clear about when the stuff outside of dealing with her kids uh, takes more of her time than teaching, then she might think about it. And so uh, that scares me based on all these things. So even our new teachers that are, are passionate about it, that, that's something weighing on them in their development. And we're going to stack the deck against them. Just, just today, we see the new jobless claims came out. And they're at the lowest level since 1969. So what does that mean? It means there's other jobs out there. There's other possibilities for lots of people who have professional degrees to go into other things and leave education. Uh, and, and so education's got to look at this, you know, maybe part of the solution piece is as a whole, we need to start looking more at how can we be competitive in the work environment? How can we be competitive in bringing these people, keeping these people within a field because they don't have to anymore? They, there's too many options out there for that, for, for, for us to go into. There's too many options for us that like to educate, to go into other realms of educating for a company, educating for, you know, you know, uh, the, the medical field and working with doctors, helping educate them. There, there's other avenues to take that passion if schools aren't going to start competing and it's not all about money. That's the biggest piece that came out of that. Uh, one of the most big pieces that came out of a lot of our discussion, but that article, it's, it's not about money. Um, demoralizing somebody is not just what you're paying them. And I was just going to give one really concrete example because, you know, you were talking about Madison's comment about, you know, basically impeding on her time to be that teacher that she envisions herself being. And, you know, we have a sub shortage and so we fill that gap with teachers. And so they're having to take their job duties home with them because, you know, they don't have a prep time before and after school is, you know, kind of just messed up, right? Because they're, they're trying to figure out where to fill the gap and the extra duties that they do. And all of those things seem like a viable solution. It's within their workday, but it's really not because the work that typically would happen in a prep period, for example, then becomes something that they have to do after school or after practice or at home after they've, you know, done dinner and whatever happens at home or kids or, you know, whatever. And I think it's exactly what Madison's talking about in that kind of sneaky, slow creep of, adding more to the teachers where maybe it doesn't quite seem like it's a, a big change, but it's a huge change in their workload and their expectations. And, and you know, my, you brought up the sub duties and other, you know, from halls to cafeterias to all the things. And as more and more, more and more schools face issues with getting people in those positions, more is being handed off to, hey, we need your help uh, in, in these situations. Th th we've addressed those. We've talked about schools have to start to get creative in 
how, how we bring in people, how we uh, have community support, how we do different things in those, because that plays a major, major role with with teachers for sure. And you know, my in our in our as we were riding there before we we got started, you know, th- there was the other article that was in the the Casper Star Tribune uh, in Jan in actually in February about Wyoming. Uh, specifically about severe stress and politics, pandemic politics, Wyoming teachers are burned out. They they threw they use the term uh, burned out there, and so it is. It, it, it's not just in big cities. It's it's across the entire country, and and more importantly, it's it's across Wyoming. And they are there was a a great stat in that article that said in Wyoming. Specific to Wyoming teachers, only 24% of Wyoming educators said they would encourage someone to enter the profession. And you think about, and and then you go back to that, and then with that same was that only 9% of teachers surveyed said they were very satisfied with conditions facing educators. So you, you think about the people who are, you know, they got the future in their hands. They only nine, that 80, 91, sorry, math, the horse is jarring my brain. 91% of teachers weren't very satisfied. So in a a sense, not saying they're unhappy, but 91% of teachers surveyed weren't crazily excited about their jobs. And it makes me wonder, I'm going to cut you off just for a second, because that other stat is so intriguing to me. 24% say they'd recommend, but does that mean... 76%, 76%, if my math is correct, are thinking about leaving. And what would that do to education if that's correct? So sorry, I just, that is like a bubbling thought in my mind. So I had to interrupt you. Exactly. Uh, I would echo 76% would say, yeah, and our 76%, as you said, getting on their horse and headed towards the door. And, and this this just creates an interesting uh, piece we know right now via different different sources out there, we know currently there are 600 plus teacher openings in Wyoming. 600 plus teacher openings out that that accounts to that accounts to roughly 10 percent of our entire teaching population. This this snowball is getting. When do we make the snowball a, a, a true concern? And you can't fix the dam with band-aids. When do we say we're gonna you're, we're gonna build a different reservoir? We're gonna build this differently. This is this is crazy stuff out there, uh, and and I don't I I, I don't want to think about us being de- demoralized. But how do we create that morale? We got don't give me an idea. How do you create? How would you? feel more appreciated, Maya, in your position? I think as an educator over time, the times that I felt most appreciated has been when I've been able to say, you know, in my professional opinion, I guess, this is what I'm trying to do in my classroom or, you know, for the school or with a, you know, whatever in the college arena, right? Um, And someone takes the time to listen to that and support it with resources, you know, and I mean, it's not that like every idea I've ever had turns into something, but 
you know, we're in a space in education where something has to change and it can't be that teachers do more and cover more and, you know, fund more themselves and whatever. And that's really the direction we're headed. And so I'm sure that there are teachers who have great ideas about how they could address the learning in their classroom or change something at their school, but they don't have that voice to be able to speak up and say something about it. And, you know, and, and I think those conversations are the first critical point. And if we can create a space for teacher voices, and the article gets at this at the, at the end about being a part of policy and, you know, and I think that's a little bigger than even just, you know, what can I do in my classroom and having the voice and the space to be able to be that professional. And then I have to make a, a, a plug, I guess, in here. One of the, um, from the American Teachers Aren't Burnt Out article is about having to fund our own stuff, right? And it says, quote, we want to stop wasting our own time creating donor choose projects to compensate for the ridiculous lack of funding. And I know money in education is always an issue, but the way that's worded brought such a fine point. And I think it connects to what I'm saying about having voice and opportunity in that even if there was buy-in, how is that thing that you're trying to do that you think is good for learners going to happen? And it shouldn't be, yeah, go figure out the money and on top of that, right? A donor Donors choose is pretty much an absurd way to, to have to fund doing your job. And I think about that in a context of, you know, a business. Can you imagine if you had an employee with a task who said, here's how I think we should approach it. And the boss says, great idea. Now go find the money to do that, um, you know, by having people donate it to you. And, you know, I guess as I say that out loud, that's a little bit, um, you know, how nonprofits work, but in the sense of, you know, a business that is accountable, like education is that it's just absurd to me that teachers can't be the professionals that they're trying to be. And I don't well, know, that might've been a little so boxy, but what do you think? Well, you got, I mean, anytime you can get a horse on a soapbox, I, you, I just stay out of the way because that, that means you're, yeah, you're, you're passionate about that. I, I want to just throw in that, that statement about donors choose. First off, anybody out there that doesn't know what donors choose is, it's a great organization. Um, make sure you check that out. And, and donors choose allows teachers to put those articles, you know, things they need for their classroom or professional development or, or whatnot out there. And then the power of crowdsourcing allows it to be funded through different people and, and different businesses and all that. It's a very good organization. So by no means are, are we, uh, I, uh, I speak for Meyer myself, donors choose is a great thing, but you would never run a business based purely on uh, that, that is quote unquote publicly funded by saying, okay, well, you can't do anything. You got, you got to go get this. You got to go find other ways to generate those, those funds to do, to do any of this stuff. And so, you know, I, I this is, this is a tough deal. I, I still think about morale and I think 
it's actually a tougher question than we can probably just answer uh, in the sense when I say what would increase my morale and I might I might answer that question say well what if you know work was more enjoyable okay well enjoyable fun that, those are great words but it means different things to different people and so first and foremost I ask our listeners, I ask our educators out there to truly answer the question. What would increase your morale? What would help you feel better on a day-to-day basis? To, like, like a SMART goal, specific, very specific. What, what would you do? And, and I know for me, I'll answer this question uh, in the sense of I enjoy a little bit of fun and trying to incorporate the things we do outside of school. And so as an example of that, I, March Madness is, is actually happening around us. You know, it's springtime and basketball and the world stops for basketball. So we created, uh, I I worked with the behavior intervention person at our school uh, and we created a behavior March Madness uh, with all the different behavior strategies, sent it out to staff, created a, 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 a March Madness tournament, if you will, and then continually uh, had them vote on the games about strategies they used and wrote a little commentary about the games. But I enjoyed that. I didn't think of it. Did it take some time? Yes. But heading into for, for where I'm at, we're about to head into spring break and kids are wired and teachers are ready to have a little break. I, I just wanted to do something to make it a little fun. So if we all look at ourselves and say, what what would create my better morale for me personally? There's probably just like the, the teachers used to tell us, Maya, go ahead and ask that question because somebody else probably has the same question. Well, if you're in a building with 50, 60, 70, 100 teachers, or maybe only 10, there's a fair chance one of them is going to have that same feeling as you uh, and, and be able to, yeah, and maybe you're going to inspire them to share what they could do to help improve morale and then it gets contagious do the right thing find those things that build each other up and let that snowball roll okay now i got my horse on the soapbox i'm gonna step off that soapbox we gotta we gotta keep riding we've been riding a long time here my but i'm gonna i know you're i know you're like your horse is bucking and, and you're tried you're just waiting for me to stop thanks james i think my horse is trying to get back on top of that box so I love, love, love what you're saying about, you know, a teacher bringing an idea to change the dynamic of the interactions, you know, happening at the school. And that's exactly what I'm envisioning with that idea of valuing the voice, right? And I think that 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 goes to the learners too, right? Our students. And I think about that at the university level. I mean, their lives are school for so much of it, right? And, you know, I I don't think that we ask them about their engagement and their morale about going to school. And, you know, I there's always someone who's like, oh, this might be a great idea. Let's put this into place. But is it really, you know, is it really something that's going to be helpful to anyone? And so when it comes from that group of people that you're trying to increase morale for, I think it makes so much sense. So I love your idea. 
I, I think that could be done at so many different levels, right? So you're doing your March Madness behavior bracket in the school level, but what could you do in your classroom? Or what could a district or a, in my case, the university or a college or, you know, a program do that changes the engagement of the people with that, that learning space, right? And there's so many things, but, you know, it's not like something, well, let's put a committee together to fix this. It really needs to come from the people who are doing the engaging, because like you said, everybody is going to want to do that in a different way and different things are going to spark everyone's interest. So yeah, anyway, great story. I'm just like repeating everything you said. But I think with this whole, you know, looking at these articles and thinking about how it's situated in Wyoming, it's such a bigger conversation than, you know, what could an individual do or a teacher or student or whatever. I I think that this gives us a chance to think about education holistically and say, yes, we've had all of these changes happening. Everybody's tired and the way that it was working can't keep going. So it gives us that maybe opportunity to say, what might education look like, right? How could it look better than it does? Or you know, I don't know. I know this is like my visionary innovation brain coming out, but this really prompts that question of what we have isn't what we need. So what could it be? And, you know, I really enjoy conversations like that because I think they spark what could be the change that, you know, makes a difference in, in education. Well, Maya, I think we've done uh, we've got the horses out. We've we've ran. We t- we took a tough topic uh, today, kind of a heavy topic, and and we've threw a couple ideas out there. And hopefully, those of us that aren't thinking about leaving education that are are, are in here and and want to make it better for those around us, uh, our, our fellow teachers, our, our students. Because if it's better for our teachers, it really is better for our students. And we're all we're all in this together. And so hopefully we've we've. Over the weeks, in in all of our podcasts, if you haven't liked and subscribed some of the, you know our our channel, make sure you do that so you're getting them all. But we've we've addressed a lot of these to try to improve and and help what we're doing. But this rides, wow, the horses have rode hard. They're they're tired, and and we are really really excited for what the future holds, and maybe some more student conversations. Who knows? Maybe some more experts. We've got all sorts of things coming at you. But Strides came to an end. Head them up. Move them on. Move them on. Head them up. Head them up. Move them on. Cowboy Ed on the run. <laughs> <laughs>